Yeah, like low-key I was gonna make, never mind, I'm not gonna make that joke because I don't want to sound problematic. <laughs> <laughs> Fox and the Stone. I'm Tyler. And I'm everybody's favorite fox, Theron. How are y'all doing? Yeah, and it's a podcast where two friends come together and talk about nerd stuff, mental health, and pop culture. Um, first off, we just want to talk about how we reached a pretty neat milestone for the podcast. We actually reached 100 downloads a couple days ago. Which, which is pretty awesome. Uh, like we mentioned in the last podcast, we weren't expecting that many listeners, and it's just felt really awesome. And I've had a lot of gratitude uh, for anyone who has taken time out of their day to give us an hour to listen to us talk. And at times, as Theron says, ramble uh, <laughs> on the podcast. You ramble. So, it's okay. Sometimes I, I really do. Um, I find myself in conversations where I'm like, how do I get out of this? I need to stop talking. So mm-hmm. I, I need to work on that. You're absolutely right. But yeah, just yeah. just want to say thank you to everyone that has taken time to listen to it. It feels awesome. But uh, Theron, let's start as we always do with a quick mental health check-in. Theron, how you doing? Uh, today I'm doing pretty good. I'm out in another state than usual. I'm not going to say where. But I've just been chilling, working, and recharging my social battery, just kind of spending a lot of time alone, which is mm-hmm. kind of necessary, especially with the job I do, because sometimes I give a lot of myself to my clients, and I just need a break. So I've just been taking a little mental health break. What about you, Tyler? How are you? That's awesome. Uh, I'm doing better today as well. Um, I had a pretty rough week, um, not going to lie. Uh, not my best week. But I'm working on it. Um, I, I just kind of got really, I just got really stressed out this week, and I didn't do a good enough job at managing my stress. So um, last night was just kind of a night of feeling so overwhelmed by everything that yeah. I, I I really just had to decompress for a minute, and I went to bed super early. I was like, I'm done with everything right now i'm just gonna lay down and read some comics and call it a night and then just Mm -hmm. try again tomorrow um if if i may quote my favorite band of all time which is 21 pilots if you know me you know that my favorite band is 21 pilots i have three (laughs) 21 pilot tattoos so they mean a lot to me and one of my Mm -hmm. favorite lines is the sun will rise and we will try again and that's what i had to tell myself last night is that tomorrow i'll give it another shot and i'll Try to start the day off with a better attitude, and we had a really good day today. I coordinated alongside with some of my other coworkers. We coordinated a mental health, uh, or a, I'm sorry, a health and wellness 5K, where I talked a lot about mental health today and the importance of taking care of your mental health. And it went really well, um, despite all the rain and the storms that came in this morning. We had like an hour and a half of no rain, and then we ran the 5K, and then it started raining, so it worked out nicely so 
Uh, I appreciate everyone who came out and and ran, and I hope you had an enjoyable time. And um, yeah, it was good just to hang out with some friends and just have a really good event. So. Ooh, that sounds very good. It sounds like you did a lot for yourself, and it seems like you're making the right choices to give yourself some. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Giving yourself some mental grace. So I, I respect that a lot. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I'm trying. Um, you know, I have these coping skills that I know I should be doing, but I think it's important to really have people in your life that remind you to use those coping skills. Mm-hmm. And I know last night you were reminding me of some of those, you know, because I was kind of telling you what was going on and yeah. just feeling uh, just defeated, honestly, after the week that I had and um, felt pretty just kind of apathetic about a lot of things in that moment. And uh, you were telling me to co- practice my coping skills, which um, mm-hmm. one of them was was reading and just kind of getting my mind off of things for a while. So um, I did that and um, it, it seemed to help out a lot. But sometimes you need those constant reminders of mm-hmm. what to do. And you know, Theron and I both work in mental health and we teach people about coping skills all the time, but sometimes just because we're the ones teaching people about coping skills um, doesn't mean that we're exempt from having our own mental health struggles, right? So sometimes we need that extra support too of people reminding us to practice our own coping skills um, because we're all just trying to get through this life uh, one day at a time and the best we can. For sure, and as a manic depressant, I'm like always in and out. (laughs) So uh-huh. <laughs> some days yeah. are some weeks are better than others. Other weeks I don't sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Some days are diamonds. Some days are stones. <laughs> so. Well, isn't diamonds to be precious stones? Wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Or pearls, I guess. Basically, like, child, yeah. you're semi-precious. But are you stoned? <laughs> um, it's actually a really good John Denver song. That's where I, that's where I got that one. Yeah, I heard that. I was watching uh, Logan Lucky uh, with like Adam Driver and Channing Tatum, and that song came on uh, at the beginning. And I was like, let me shazam this shit. This is such a good song. And I knew it was John yeah. Denver just because you know, John Denver has such a uh, distinct sound. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely had to add that to the to the to the playlist on my Spotify. So the other day I was watching. Um, Trixie Mattel um, uh, lampoon or imitate RuPaul and one of the contestants on season 7 was named Pearl and uh, Trixie was like here's my impersonation of RuPaul Pearl you're semi-precious but are you stoned because Pearl is just always aloof and just high happy <laughs> so which is funny but uh, that's a good mental health check in and uh, I do appreciate you being open with your mental health I mean yeah. that demystifies the stigma and i think that's one thing that this podcast really wants to do absolutely i mean we have we need to be open about it um we need to i I think there needs to always be dialogue and and knowing that you're not the you're not alone right (laughs) and whatever struggle you're going through you're not alone and there are people that are on your side or the people that have had similar experiences and they may be able to tell you some things that help them or they may just be able they may just be that person that can help walk with you through this time you know showing that empathy you know um, if you're in and if you're in a hole and instead of just walking by and saying well that sucks that you're in a hole maybe putting down a ladder Mm -hmm. and getting in the hole with you and helping you come out of that right so empathy versus sympathy so right and like i said on the first podcast bad bitches get sad too there's nothing wrong with being sad 
it's sitting in that sadness that can be problematic. Um, yep. Yep. So get that ladder, pull yourself out, reach out to your friends, you know, reach out mm -hmm. to us. I mean, don't call me collect because I ain't going to answer. But if you need a hand, <laughs> if you need a hand, I'm here for you. And so is Tyler. But um, since we talked about some mental health, let's talk about our new segment, Sick, mm -hmm. Sad World. And you know what, Tyler? Mm -hmm. I am boiling. So before, before I'm an American, I'm a Britney Spears fan. And yes. we all owe... We all owe Chris Crocker an apology. So this week, Britney Spears spoke out about her conservatorship, which mm -hmm. is one of the most problematic things I've ever seen in Hollywood or in pop culture. Um, and you know me, Tyler. I'm like always knowing about like celebrity news and gossip because that's just something I'm interested in. But right. for her to read the words, um, I'm pulling up the article where she just says, I just want my life back. This woman is 39. That is very mm. sad. Um, her father, Jamie Spears, good afternoon to everybody. Good morning to everybody. Good night to everybody, but Jamie Spears. Um, yes. Has put her on this conservatorship because she was struggling back in the day with some mental health problems. We all know about the notorious Britney Spears meltdown, um, mm. the attack with the umbrella. But the fact that this conservatorship is not allowing her to have breaks when she wants, forcing her to work, um, extremely long hours. That residency was uh, four to five years um, and she didn't want to do it. The fact that she cannot have children with her now boyfriend, she wants to marry this man and he seems stable. But the fact that she does not have control of her body, agency over her life as a woman is crazy to me. So fuck Jamie Spears, her manager, and Zoe 101 could catch these hands too if she's a part of this and uh, the mama could get hit too. <laughs> but it's crazy. Yeah. So is Jamie Lynn Spear part of this or are you just kind of speculating or has there, has there been like anything come out about her little sister or honestly, I don't think anything is going on with Jamie Lynn. I just said that to be funny because, oh, okay. Uh, sorry. I was like, dang, is yeah. she on it too? Like what the hell? Cause from what my understanding is, I believe she was trying to get Jamie Lynn to be her conservator, but it's gotten to the point where that poor baby, um, yeah. Jamie Lynn has to turn off her comments on her Instagram because people are like, free Britney, you're a snake, uh, oh. blah, blah, blah. And to be honest, like, yeah, I made that joke about it, but leave Jamie Lynn alone as well because you know what? She is a sister to this adult woman. And when this conservatorship was put up into place, Jamie Lynn was a minor. So and she had her own problems to deal with, you know, because she had her, and I'm not stigmatizing teen pregnancy or anything like that. Um, but, you know, she was having her own, you know, life going on. She was pregnant mm -hmm. and getting married to her first, you know, her first father of her first child, you know. Mm -hmm. So let's not point the blame at her, but like the people surrounded, surrounding Brittany and her management team are very problematic. Um, I watched the Hulu documentary over the con uh, conservatorship and her manager was like, yeah, this conservatorship is basically how most business plans should be ran nowadays that's disgusting conservatorships are to just make sure that they're taking care of their money and themselves but not policing someone's body and livelihood and life that is that's disgusting yeah it, it really is and how, how long has she been under this conservatorship um i believe the conservatorship let me google that because i don't want to give y'all wrong information but i know this has been going on since like 2007 2008 wow maybe. So it's been going on for a long time. 
Yes, because she had a conservatorship. I want to say it started after that time she had a mental breakdown back in 08 when she refused to give Kevin Federline her kids and then she had to be put under psych watch for a few days. Right. And and I feel like we all owe Britney Spears the biggest apology because I feel like mm-hmm. her her struggle that she was going through at that time was just made a mockery and a mm-hmm. lot of us really fed into that. Um, yeah. You know, like we were... People would say things like, uh, and we've come a long way as far as trying to destigmatize mental health, but we still have a long way to go. But I know a lot of times people would use terms like, I'm going to go crazy, like 2008 Britney Spears crazy. And back mm-hmm. then, that was just a, like a normal expression. Everyone knew what you meant. And we just made fun of her for that. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think we're I, I think we're doing better uh, as, as a people, the way we look yeah. at mental health. But... Back then, yeah, we I think we really we really missed the mark there, right? And um, I really feel bad for everything that she's been going through because I mean, my first CD I ever remember having, my mom bought me uh, Britney Spears's first album. Um, I loved it. Baby One More Time was like one of my favorite songs growing up. I had my no skip CD player so I could dance around and it wouldn't skip a beat, and I enjoyed that album. And I just grew up loving Britney Spears like my sister and I mm-hmm. used to watch this McDonald's VHS that had like half Britney Spears half in sync and it was like behind the scenes and we just watched that over and over again mm-hmm. and um yeah we just always bonded over Britney Spears's uh music and yeah. uh I just hate to hear that she's going through that and I hope that there is some justice for her very mm-hmm. very soon because it's long overdue for sure. And, you know, I was uh, looking up the uh, conservatorship was implemented in 2008. Conservatorships basically say that someone is not mentally competent to have control over their estate or assets. Um, from what the sounding and basically what, what Brittany revealed um, this week at the hearing, um, it's basically been manipulated to abuse her. Um, she is forced on birth control, which is ridiculous she can't marry again she can't marry her boyfriend she can't even be in the car with him uh she's willing to still continue doing her therapy and medication oh let's talk about that they put this young lady on lithium and she didn't need it so lithium basically is a antipsychotic i believe for people with bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. um and if you don't need lithium or it's not medicated i mean not medicated managed properly Mm-hmm. Um, it basically can incapacitate you. And she was just like, they forced me to take these meds. And if I complain about the conservatorship, they'll go to my therapist and tell my therapist that I'm not being compliant to treatment. And I'm just like, wow. And the crazy part is Brittany still has to pay the legal fees of her management team, who she's suing to get out of this conservatorship. And then she's like, I want to sue my family when I'm done. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So And I hope she wins every single lawsuit that she files because she deserves it i mean yes i just want her to be happy like i want everyone to be happy where as long as they're not hurting themselves or other people and listening to her speak she's very astute so and she's aware she was even saying like i do need therapy but i don't want to go to therapy where the paparazzi's there like brings i want my therapist to come to my house and i was like that's operable i work at i work community-based mental health and i've done therapy sessions in people's front rooms right yeah, I mean, it sounds like she doesn't want the therapy where it's like 
televised as some mm-hmm. some celebrities are like oh i brought my therapist on to talk about everything we discussed in treatment i was like does hipaa not exist in la or something or did you just like sign a release of information to the world to be like hey i'm on dr oz and this is my therapist and he's gonna talk about my treatment plan and all my deep darkest secrets and i'm just like oh my god never I, never I, I just want to say i think that dr phil and his cohorts, uh, I cannot think of the guy who does the re- celebrity rehab. I do not believe they have the same code of ethics as us. Um, and that's where I'm going to leave that at because I don't want to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes the Dr. Phil estate. <laughs> like Dr. Drew as well. Yeah, I don't think they have the same, uh, same code of ethics as us because they are profiting over people's mental illness and pain. And that is just not right. That is not okay. That is not part of the ethics of social work. Um, Tyler and I are both social workers, and one of the main ethics is do no harm. And when you're broadcasting people's mental health history or their current status, um, that's doing harm. You're putting people who don't need to be in their Kool-Aid in their Kool-Aid and say the hell out of that strawberry Kool-Aid because that ain't for you. Right, and even if the the client in the situation who is typically you know somebody of notoriety, even if they sign mm-hmm. off and say, I want you to go on this this television show and, and talk about all the things we talked about me if i was in that position i would be like i'm not doing this even though mm-hmm. i know so that tells me at the end of the day that they're just doing this for the the mm-hmm. biggest paycheck that they can get you know yeah and hey. it, it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous so so it starts to kind of for people who haven't been involved in, in therapy or the mental health field it starts to paint this picture that like all therapy is kind of like this mm-hmm. you know um, which could deter people from wanting to go yeah. to therapy. And see, my therapy, I mean, I'm telemed mostly, but I make sure that my clients are in a room to themselves, allowed to have the privacy that they deserve and are protected. I always make sure HIPAA is the first thing that I'm following because if you break HIPAA, that can be detrimental to your license and also your job. You can lose your job on the spot if you break HIPAA. Mm-hmm. Um Second, I think that it's the client, if the client wants to be open about their mental health and talk about it, they can do that on their own time, but I will not be there. I don't even care if I'm summoned. Um, there's just some lines that should be crossed. And with this whole situation with Britney Spears, there's been a lot of lines that have been crossed. And I think this is kind of like a reckoning for Hollywood and mm-hmm. these um, really, really shitty contracts that they put them put these people in because at the end of the day like they look immortal to us they look like gods but they're not they're human they bleed just like us they feel just like us they just have access and notoriety things that we don't have and privilege but at the end of the day they are still people right and they could definitely be caused harm and damaged by being manipulated so yeah a big fuck you to jamie spears and Brittany, if you hear this, probably not. We, you know, we we here for you. <laughs> we love you. Oh yeah, because like, listen, reading that conservatorship, like some of the stuff like that was been leaked out. I'm like, you know, Britney Spears said I'm a slave for you, but she wasn't talking in that way, you know? <laughs> right. <It's, laughs> that's not what she meant. Um, and just yeah it's insane and you know her kids spoke out last year i remember her oldest son i cannot remember their names um but he straight up was like yeah my grandpa's an asshole and i was like "Ooh," 
And uh, Wendy Williams had caught wind of that and played the video. And um, there was some abuse allegations from the ch grandchildren towards the grandpa. So the grandpa's not even allowed to be around Brittany's children. And Kevin Federline's like, I do not want Jamie by my, my children at all. And it's really weird that Kevin Federline, out of all people, is the voice of reason here. I don't remember much about him. Um, when they got married, I feel like I was like in middle school or like early high school. And I just, I honestly thought that when they said Kevin, I thought she married one of the Backstreet Boys when I first heard Kevin Federline. Mm -hmm. I was like, was he the Backstreet Boy guy? And they're like, no, he's just like a normal dude. I was like, oh, okay. I thought he was he a was Backstreet a Boy. Dancer. Oh, was he, he was really? Back, yeah. And, oh, cool. You know, uh, how do I say this properly? Kevin Federline, hmm. Exactly as I thought. Trash. <laughs> That's basically what I think about Kevin Federline. But but uh, I guess he's being better. And um, fun fact, um, the adopted family that I uh, got to live with the most of my childhood what is related to Char, Jones, Char Jackson, who is Kevin Federline's first wife. I got to meet her a couple years back. And yeah, she kind of confirmed that Kevin Federline's not a good person. So allegedly... So let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> but right. um, that's all I have for six sad news today because I think that is such a big topic. And Right. Yeah, but also, like, real quick, uh, to the predominantly white school in San Diego who decided to throw tortillas at the predominantly Latino school that beat you in a basketball game, y'all can go to hell with gasoline draws on. And that's that. Uh, and also, yeah, their coach Jesus. got caught. Uh, instigating it. They saw students, uh, players and students throwing the tortillas after they lost the game. So this was premeditated racism. Don't try to say this was just bad sportsmanship. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's bad sportsmanship, but that was racist. Like, you wouldn't do that to a black school and you wouldn't do that to an Asian school. You, pr you purposely bought tortillas in the cheap kind from Walmart and threw it at a predominantly Latino school because you are a sore loser. And to the coach that lost his job, I guess you can go look into unemployment. Hopefully you have, you know, you are, you're approved for that, but a big fuck you to you too. And to anybody who's racist, sexist, or abusive to people with mental health and to all Britney Spears team who has her on the conservatorship. But that's all I have for today for six sad news, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of six sad stuff going on. Uh, yeah. Hence the name, but it's not always going to be like that. Sometimes we'll have some, some more upbeat things to talk about but uh mm -hmm. this week yeah it's just um we had, there's some stuff we needed to address so hashtag free britney free britney all right well let's go ahead and hop into loki episode three and the title of this episode was called lamentus mm -hmm. before we get into it as always if you listen to the podcast, you know that we spoil the hell out of these episodes because there's no way we can talk about it without spoiling it. Uh, so right. that being said, spoiler alert for you. If you haven't watched episode three of Loki and you don't want this episode to be spoiled for you, please pause the podcast, go watch the show on Disney Plus, uh, and then come back and listen to our review and... Uh, listen to our theories that we have about where the show uh, may go and what direction it may go. Uh, but Theron, before we start to review this episode, what letter grade would you give Loki episode three? I'm going to give it a B. Again, um, I think okay. this was slower than the 
first two episodes for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gave us some insight. Um, I'm one of those people, if you don't know me, I'm very into dialogue. So I think this is a dialogue heavy, excuse me, a very dialogue heavy episode. But I think we definitely need it. Um, it gives us a little more time with the characters. So I'll give it a B, B plus, because it gave what it was supposed to give this month, uh, this week. What about you, Tyler? Yeah, I will probably go with a solid B myself. Um, I, I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. Um, there was a lot of backstory that it gave us, which which is good. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit slower. Um, it was kind of like your typical bottle cap episode where we have like the two main characters just kind of in one centralized location for the entire show. Uh, but I thought it, I thought it was a pretty solid. Um, I thought it was a pretty solid B episode. Um, I didn't have a um, a whole lot to be upset with. I just wasn't feeling those like emotions that I had with. Mm-hmm. Um, the first two episodes, um, but I still enjoyed the episode um, quite a bit. So yeah. I'll stick with just a solid. You know what? I'll move it up to a B plus. You know, the more I think about, it, I'll give it a B plus. I've been on the A minus, so it was just mm-hmm. a little under the A minus for me. Uh, but I will give it a, a B plus for this one. Yeah. So so we're start we start off the episode with Hunter C twenty and Lady Loki, and they're having some drinks at a. Mm-hmm a little restaurant and they're talking and chatting and having a good time and then all of a sudden lady loki's like hey what can you uh tell me about who's guarding these old timekeepers and how can i find them and then under siege just kind of like uh what (laughs) and then she starts to kind of know what's going on and then it kind of flashes back to a a different time uh and that that kind of scene is sort of repeated yeah and then it goes into like they talk about like margaritas and then they start talking about brain freeze saying like, Oh yes. you know, they call it that because you can't think of the answer when your brain is frozen. Right. She tries to like suck her into it. Like, okay, drink your, your margarita really quick. Go, go. And she's like, okay, ask me anything. And she's like, ah, we know about the timekeepers. Yeah. She was like, where are they? Yeah. Where are they? Just really try to get everything she can. So <laughs> I guess my question for you, Theron would be, so did C20 and, Lady Loki, were they actually friends at one point, or was Lady Loki just trying to go back in time and meet with her at a time where she would have been? Uh, so she was in her mind. It wasn't a time jump or anything. It was her using her enchantment powers. And from how she described her powers later on in the episode, um, she finds a memory um, and then kinds of bastardizes it to get the oh. information or control you uh-huh because gotcha. she was like yeah okay. so like how she explained some brains are smarter some brains are harder to break um so it's kind of one of those situations but okay um, yeah, yeah yeah okay for some reason in my head i was thinking that uh and again sometimes i get these things wrong uh like a lot mm. of times but i was thinking that it was she kind of like either took hunter c back in time to something that felt real um or they were actually like <clears throat> like cross paths at some time no like, she you know took her I mean? to so, yeah she took her to like a memory that was considered um vulnerable um easy for her to get into oh okay okay mm. that makes that makes more sense than what, what i was thinking in my head yeah uh, okay so oh, cool. then it kind of like flashes to like oh Loki's coming in to the Walmart that we talked about last month, week, and then uh, next you know, it's 
you know, shows of what happens after Loki goes to that door. Um, that Lady Loki left him. It was basically them at the TVA. And Loki's, mm-hmm. like, trying to reason with Lady Loki. Is talking to her and just like, hey, like, let us work together. Loki finds his daggers. And then they have a have a back and forth, a physical back and forth. They're fighting. And then, you know, Lady Loki gets the upper hand. And then uh, Ravana, the head of the TVA, comes up and she's like, what's up? We're about to fight. And then Lady Loki's like, if you move, I'll kill Loki. And she's like, okay, and? <laughs> right, yeah. She's like, uh, I don't care. I don't care. I want to kill Loki. Yeah. So... <laughs> She's like, they fall for it. You know, uh, I cannot remember the device that they use. Do you remember the name of the device that gets them to jump? Oh, the tent pad? The tent pad, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hits the tent pad and they land on this planet that is called Lamentus. Lamentus that's mm-hmm. basically falling apart. <laughs> yeah, so what's happening is the 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 moon and this planet that they've landed on are about to collide, and as they're mm-hmm. getting closer to colliding into each other there's like little small meteors, and like little asteroids just kind of boom boom hitting the earth which they they boom, never boom. which yeah boom boom they never hit uh they get close to hitting loki but after that that's the last time they get even remotely close because they'll be outside yeah. just like having a whole ass conversation like what are we gonna do, 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 do yeah just having a great time and it's just like crashing all around them never gets close but that first but you know the show had to let you know like oh what was this oh it was a meteor mm-hmm. but don't worry it'll never be a factor moving yes. forward in the episode but just to yeah. give you a little taste of what's happening because i thought there was like some kind of like war going on and i was like oh they just teleported to some like futuristic war going on but they're just like nope the the moon is obliterating uh yeah. the planet so it's you know not a big deal and yeah uh and not and we'll get into more of that in a little bit um but so, one thing one to, to oh, i would i want to stop back did you notice like i wonder how how much we need to look into the fact that lady loki was she thought that she could use her powers of the tva but then she realized that she couldn't so i wonder mm-hmm. if that is going to play into something about lady loki like was is she sent to try to destroy or mess with the tva but she was she was not told that once she's at the TVA that her powers would not work. Cause she went in there confident, like I'm going to be able to enchant this, this person and yeah. it didn't work. So, and so I don't I jump too ahead, wait. but yeah, I was like, let's not jump okay, too ahead. My bad. I have an idea. Okay. But, um, as the Lokis are walking, I'm so happy with myself. I'm feeling so smug right now. Smug as shit. Um, as Lady Loki is walk, they're walking Loki and walk, keeps calling Lady Loki Loki. She's like, do not call me that. Call me mm-hmm. Sylvie. Mm-hmm. And I start smiling ear to ear because my hypothesis was right. Sylvie is the name of the 2009 version of the Enchantress created in Roxon, Oklahoma by who? Loki. Mm-hmm. So she is an amalgamation of female version of Loki and the second Enchantress, Sylvie. So I thought that was great. Um, Sylvie first showed up in Dark Rain, and she was an Asgardian. She was not. She was just some random girl in Oklahoma that Loki just saw and was like, I'm going to give you powers because I'm bored. <laughs> and what a um, strange place to rebuild Asgard. Asgard. Just Mill mm. America, Oklahoma. It's <laughs> just of right. all places. But it's What's really funny about that... Um, <laughs> 
because they go to Oklahoma, you know, they're living in Oklahoma, but it's during the Civil War, the Marvel Civil War, first one time, and, uh, you know, Tony Stark goes over there, it's like, Thor, we need you to register, and Thor's like, I'm not a superhero, I'm a god, I just help people, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, if you don't register, we're going to force you to, and Thor proceeds to beat the crap out of Tony Stark, <laughs> and... Tony's like, you know what? Okay, I give up. And then, you know, he goes back to S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm like, so did you get Thor? And he's like, you know what? Asgardians are out of it. Like, the X-Men and the Asgardians are just not going to, they're just not going to be part of this. Because, you know, uh, with the X-Men, they're discriminated against. And so he goes over there and Charles Xavier starts fucking with his brain. And so there's Mm -hmm. just some people who got to stay out of the Civil War if they didn't want to be a part of it. (laughs) Right. So, uh. But I thought it was cool, like, you know, about that. But then they realized that the Tim Pad is dying and they're kind of having conversations about their powers somewhat, too, because he, uh, Sylvie goes to Loki and she's like, I don't understand why I can't enchant you. So they kept using her powers as enchant powers. And if you know anything about the enchantress, that's what she does. That's her main thing is like enchanting Ben to do her bidding. Mm-hmm. Um, and Loki explains, he's like, well, my mind is too powerful. And she's just like, no, you're a fucking magician, whatever. <laughs> right, yeah. They had really good banter. Um, I did like that it goes back to kind of like, I feel like the central theme of this story is identity. Yeah. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, at first I was really thinking it was more about the idea of free will, which mm-hmm. I-, I think some of that is still there. But yeah, we're starting to see themes now. I think you're absolutely right about the idea of identity and, and who we are who we who, are and in that kind of to be right and then that kind of ties into free will uh, as well so yeah and we're halfway through the season so mm-hmm. i'm really excited to see what the next two episodes hold because i know that tom hiddleston was on an interview saying that when he read the episodes four and five he was like this took a turn that i wasn't expecting at all and i was like that's all i needed to hear that's all i needed to hear so now when wednesday comes around i will be ready to go um i well i think i'm gonna be ready to go i'll probably be (laughs) i'll probably be so confused and be like what what happened i'll be going to youtube and googling like what the hell just happened because it's probably gonna be i hope it is i i hope i'm not i don't want to set my expectations too high right i'm really i'm really excited for it though but yeah, so they're trying to get the Tim Pad going, and Lady Loki is like, "Call me Sylvie," and he's like, yeah. "All right, whatever." <laughs> yeah, like Loki, I was gonna make. Never mind, I'm not gonna make that joke because I don't want to sound problematic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I love the banter back and forth. It was kind of like main version of Loki. Right. He's very debonair. He's suave. He's a trickster. He's very passive aggressive. Um, while Lady Loki is headstrong, uh, Sylvie, sorry, Sylvie is very headstrong, right. very, I want to get this done, I can do this, and so I really like how it brings up this discussion about how the variants are not only the same, but very different, um, because Sylvie and Loki are two different people, and they put that down quickly. Yes. They make that narrative very, very strong. Right, because I mean, Loki doesn't want to be compared to Sylvie, and if, but if he is compared to her, he wants to be the quote superior version yes. of that. And He's Sylvie's like, like, and Sylvie's uh, from the from the jump in episode two, she's like, "Duh, do not call me Loki. I hate that." 
Yeah. And so like, it's Why? yeah. So it sounds like a lot of people have just been calling her Loki for so mm-hmm. long, and then she's like, "I go by Sylvie. That's my alias." So as they're walking um, to just kind of figure out how do we charge this this uh, tin pad up, they come across this little house, mm-hmm. and um, they walk up there. Uh, I think Lady Loki walks up there first, and then she's immediately shot down by like a ray gun, and it's just like mm-hmm. this older lady just sitting there, just cocked back with the door open, like try to come in. So mm-hmm. Loki sees like a picture of what we assume is her husband, either uh, ex-husband, like did he did he pass away or what? Mm-hmm. And he shapeshifts into him and then comes up to the door and there's that moment where he's just like hello honey i've missed you so much and it, it lasts for like a second she just yeets him out of the porch just boom hits him he flies out and they're like well that was that so it, it didn't i don't know who that lady's supposed to be i don't know I if just it was just a random character just a random character and it's just for the gag yeah. which it was a funny gag it, it was it was funny um, it was fine because <laughs> there's not a there's not a lot going on uh, on lamentus uh, it's pretty pretty desolate barren pretty desolate yeah there's not a whole it's literally about to die the planet is it's, there's an apocalyptic event happening hence i think why they're there so yeah so then they start making their way to the to the train station and as they show up where we see that the wealthy um shockingly mm-hmm. enough are getting first priority to the train and the less fortunate are just having to sit in line and wait their turn, but they know that their turn is probably not going to happen. So mm-hmm. again, we're seeing the classic, uh, it's kinda, it's, right. And it's also compared to the movie and the TV show, uh, snow which I've yet to see, but I mm-hmm. really want to, cause I love Bonju Ho, uh, and I need mm-hmm. to watch that movie. Um, Captain America himself, Chris Evans is in that movie. America's ass. Oh, <laughs> That's America's ass. Yeah. Um, that scene at the train gave me a lot of Hunger Games vibes. Um, District 12. Um, especially when that lady was like, they're only giving the rich, giving the rich. So yeah. I thought to myself, how are they going to get on this train since they do not have tickets? And Loki's like, uh, let me handle this. So mm-hmm. he shapeshifts into one of the guards' costumes. Mm-hmm. And just has Sylvie, and he's just like, "Oh, hey, yeah, we're supposed to be going." And he's like, "Okay, yeah, whatever. Where's your ticket?" The guard at the you know ticket booth, and Loki's just like, "Uh, uh," and then Sylvie's just like, enchants him, touches the guard, and they're like, "Oh, never mind. Yeah, let us in." And this is where mo- the majority of the rest of this episode takes place. Um, they get into the plane, they get in the plane, they get into the train car, and then they have this really awkward exchange about sitting with their backs against the door and then Loki's like, but there's two doors. So your back is going to be against one of the doors regardless. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really silly, um, a really silly back and forth. And then we kind of get to know Sylvie and uh, Loki decides to let Sylvie get to know him. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, their conversations about adoption. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was kind of cool because Loki's like, uh, spoiler alert, I'm a, we're adopted. And she was like, I've been new. And he was like, wait, what? Like, they told you? They told you. And she's like, yeah. And then <sighs> I really like how they talk about Loki's relationship with Freya, the Queen of Asgard, his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about how he learned magic because his mother taught him because she believed he could do anything. And I thought that was a very heartwarming 
conversation. And then, you know, Sylvia was like, I didn't, I don't really remember my mom. She's like a dream to me. Right. Um, I, so I wonder if uh, their version of Freya, did she die early or was something, did something else happen to Sylvie? Because Sylvie proceeds to tell Loki she taught herself how to enchant people. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. was very interesting. It, it was. It was a really great moment um, where the, sh- the show just kind of stopped and gave us some of that backstory, which we needed. And mm-hmm. also within that backstory, um, we learned that Loki is a little bi. Oh, that's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're on the Tom Hiddleston train now? No, no pun intended. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, my no. brother listens to this, so I'm not gonna say much. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, I, I, I'm still in the boat of like Tom Hiddleston. I think the Tom Hiddleston as Loki is attractive, but Tom Hiddleston himself is not. But um, so Loki, you know, Sylvie was just like, oh, so you're a prince. I'm assuming you have a princess waiting for you, or perhaps another prince. And he was just like a little bit of both. I was like, that's right, Loki. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what was sad about it was it was kind of like this, kind of like a, an expose of what's going on with our generation if you're not married. Like, there's like this big, um, kind of like this big, like our culture, our generation is very entwined with hookup culture. And mm-hmm. so he kind of talks about, he's like, yeah, you know, we have, I have all these lovers and suitors, but none of it's real. And I was like, wow, that's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, poor Loki. Yeah. So, and you know, and then um, Sylvie came up with this really stupid allegory on love where she was like, love is hate. And Loki was like, no, love is mischief. I'm just like, y'all are dumb. I hate (laughs) y'all. Love is a dagger. (laughs) I was like, love is a battlefield. Okay. Pat Benatar Uh, already made. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Such a good song. Okay. Let's not, because we start singing it, we might get sued. That would be okay. So I love right. I, I love how Loki just gets so drunk and is, is singing this as Guardian, Guardian lullaby song. or folk song. Mm. Yeah, and he, I was like, okay, like Loki can sing. I, I'm mm. down for this. And then after that, um, which by the way, so he's still dressed as a. Um, at this point, did now did he switch? remind me did he switch back to his normal attire or did he stay in that he got drunk and switched back to his normal attire it's just implied that he switched back while drunk because sylvie was asleep because she was like let's rest and he's like i'll rest in my way and sylvie's like well i'm going to sleep right and so okay decides to get drunk yes so he gets drunk and like he's killing it and even like everyone on board is just like clapping along mm-hmm. and having a great time and the um the guards show up who look like Mega Man. They all have like mm-hmm. Mega Man suits on. They show up and basically throw them off the train, right? Yeah. And- well, they have a fight scene, but we have to all admit that the guy who kicked uh, how they got caught was uh, when Loki was singing. The You know, this guy's just stared at him being a Karen. Um, and then Loki, <laughs> you know, call, that's a callback to the first Thor. After he finishes his beer, he's like, smash the glass. Another! Yeah, yeah, and- exactly. <laughs> and so... Um, after the Karen incident, uh, they have this fight scene, and Loki gets chucked from the uh, the, the train. Mm-hmm. And Sylvie's like, God damn it, he has the temp pad. I need that. Which, now I want to talk about a plot hole. Sure. Why couldn't they charge the temp pad in the train? Or why couldn't they just overpower Meemaw with the shotgun 
and just charge the tin pad. Yeah, because um, they're searching for the Ark, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what has enough power to to charge, charge the up. Tin pad. So I guess okay. they're they're aware of this Ark, but I mean, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, do they? I guess I don't know how much power these little tent pads need, you know, in order to work sufficiently. And can yeah, they? Yeah, because it wasn't. Is there a way to tap into that from the train? I don't know. Uh, is does a train? I don't know. Does, does I don't know? Does a train run on coal? Uh, is it an electric trade? Is it does it run off of lithium batteries? I don't know. Uh, I'm that unfamiliar with the lamentous uh, resources and yeah, and what what is contain what, like what minerals that they have at their disposal. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe they maybe they couldn't, um, or maybe they couldn't. That's a pothole. But yeah, that's what they're searching for: is the arc to charge the tin pad and to go back to the current timeline. Yeah. The uh, map wasn't mapping in that situation. Let's just right, say that. <laughs> right, right. So um, yeah, they get so knocked the, off the train, mm-hmm. and basically Sylvie's like, "Well, the arc has never left because she has been to this um, area in time before." And she's like, well, the Ark has never left. And then Loki's just like, but the Ark never left because we weren't on it. So they make the plan to go get on the Ark and hijack it and leave Lamentis. But this is where I believe they also talked about, oh, let's go back real quick. They talked about Lady Loki while they're walking. They were talking about like how, um, what was that agent from the very beginning? um, Number again? Agent Mobius? No, no. The young lady with the margaritas. Oh, uh, Hunter C-20. Hunter C-20. She starts talking about how, like, Hunter C-20, mine was jacked up. She's like, yeah, it's all cloudy, so I had to go back, like, hundreds of years back to figure out what was going on with her so I can get this information on her. And Loki's like, a hundred years? No, the TVA said that every Hunter agent was created by the Time Lords. Um... And Lady Loki, uh, Sylvie was like, no, fam, that's not the T. The real T is... Uh, these are variants pulled from different times. So yeah, and they dropped. I feel like they dropped that. Just like boom, this is a big part of the. This is a big part of the plot. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, by the way, they're all variants. Okay, bye. Try to try to find the arc now. And I was like, goes, oh, okay. It goes back <laughs> to my theory that Mobius, Mobius, Mobius was pulled from the '90s while jet skiing. I know that's a really yep. stupid and very, very, very like on the nose, but. So I believe Sylvie uh-huh. was recruited by the TVA and then broke free. But like her memories are not where it needs to be. So I think that's the reason why they were like, all right, we'll just keep Loki Prime <laughs> um, right. as our agent. Um, but I will say this last act was just chaotic. It was chaos. Yeah. Um, you know, the tent the tent pad is broken, and you know after Loki falls off the train, and, and Sylvie's pretty pissed off about it. And then, um, as they're making their way to the Ark, you know that's when all the dialogue about TVA employees being variants happens, uh, and that they're unaware of it because they're essentially just brainwashed into believing the sacred timeline, and they're all working for the timekeepers. And they enter this town, and there's a really cool one shot because the as they enter the town this the planet starts to crash into them mm-hmm. um so there's just there's just one shot they're running around they're running around 
Um, I think they fight a couple times. Yeah, and yeah. They punch a couple guys in the face because why not? They're in the way, knocking them out, and then they look up, and then the arc is destroyed, just crashes mm-hmm. in half, and everything kind of slows down, and Sylvie walks away pissed. Mm-hmm. Loki's sitting there looking straight ahead, empty inside, roll credits. And it was sad. That's how it ended. I felt like this episode, although there wasn't a ton of action going on, went by really, really fast. Mm-hmm. I was just like, wait, that's it? Okay. It was only 30 I mean, minutes. It was about 30 minutes. I thought it was about, f- I thought it was like 40 or 45, but mm-hmm. I'd have to go back but and you know, look. They, like- they do put in a lot of credits. Was there a post-credit scene in this show, uh, this episode? Because I didn't stick around. No. Okay. Okay. I didn't, I didn't stick I around. I didn't stick around. So your th- I love your theory that you mentioned about Sylvie being mm-hmm. recruited by the TVA but went against them. But my mm-hmm. question is, who is behind the TVA? I don't know. I'm thinking that, and this is what a lot of people are thinking too, so I'm not special mm-hmm. in coming up with this theory, but I tend to think that it makes sense if Kang is behind all of this and he's probably sent her to disrupt this sacred timeline or does the sacred timeline thing even exist so to speak um, I'm not sure because here's the thing at the end or at the beginning I'm sorry when they're running away it appears that they're running to those golden elevators right and i guess my question is where do those golden elevators go i assume there's something at the very top floor and i think that's where we're going to see who's really behind the curtains of this wizard of oz type um location that we're we're experiencing so that's kind of what i'm thinking but uh who knows we'll we'll just have to stick around and see but Overall, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I had a good time with this. I had a really good time with this episode. So do you have any other I, uh, thoughts about it that you want to talk about? No, um, I thought it was really good. Again, I love dialogue. So it was a good dialogue-heavy episode, but there was just it, it wasn't that great. But it, was, it wasn't bad. I mean, we learned that the TVA um, are all variants. And I think this series will... I think we will get a shot of... Agent Mobius riding on a jet ski at some point. I, I, I feel oh, like for sure. Too. He's just for sure. Loki's gonna be on the back. I think they're gonna be riding it together, um, and they ride off into the sunset. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, I don't think Loki's gonna end up with Mobius fighting like romantically or anything like that. No, but, I don't uh, either. No, I think just um, literally riding off and as a sunset is casting. Yeah. Upon them, yeah, I think that's how the show ends. But this revealer I watch, her name is Grace Randolph, and um, I think hers is uh, beyond the trailer. That's her YouTube channel. She's like, well, since they say Loki's queer, he needs to have a boyfriend, and I'm just like, no. But they do need to add like queer elements to Loki, which they always had though. There's always been this like, is he, isn't he type energy to him. Sure. And uh, so I know that Tom Hiddleston said they're going to play with Loki's like gender fluidity or something in the show, but I don't think that's going to happen. And honestly, I don't think it's necessary because he's a shapeshifter. So like, that's why, you know, he's gender fluid and he's a frost giant and usually frost giants really don't have a gender. Right. 
Um, I do think we're going to get old Loki in in this series, though. Mm. Throwing that out I'm there. S- still holding out for Kid Loki, for sure. Yeah. Could be. Could yeah. be. Um, all right, because was Kid Loki introduced during Agent of Asgard? I can't remember. I'll, I'll have to look that up. But yeah, Nobody quote me on that. Basically what happened was uh, Loki got sent to the Underworld, and Hell was like, you can leave, but you won't have the same body. So basically, after he escapes Hell, he is reborn in a child's body. And it's his body, so it's not like how he stole Sith's body when the whole Rex in Oklahoma storyline happened. Right. Right. Yeah, I was kind of looking at when Kid Loki uh, showed up, and uh, I'm not finding not finding it right now, but eh, it's okay. Not a big deal. Well, um, yeah, that's that's kind of our thoughts on Loki. Um, I thought it was a really solid episode, and I'm just really loving this show. I think it's awesome, and I'm really excited for for more. But Theron, let's go ahead and close it out with our segment called "You Should Check This Out." So Theron. Yeah. Um, I think you went first last time, so I'll go first this time. Yeah. Um, Disney Plus dropped this movie, which for me kind of felt like it just kind of came out of nowhere. My daughter the other day was like, we should watch uh, Luca. And I was like, are you meaning Loki? Because I've already been watching it, sis. And she was like, no, Luca. It's uh, it's a movie. It's a Disney Plus movie. And I was like, "Uh, okay, yeah, let's check it out. And she had already watched it. um, So we watched it together, but... Um, basically it's, uh, the newest Disney Pixar movie and it is about, um, the main story revolves around this kid and his parents and their sea monsters, but like really friendly, cute little sea monsters and they live underneath the sea and it's like very, there's a lot of like heavy little mermaid vibes happening at the very beginning Mm -hmm. of the show. Like don't go above the surface, do not go above Mm -hmm. the surface. So, you know. Like any adolescent, when you tell them not to do something, they're going to be like, well, I'm curious, what's up there? So they yeah. go up there. Um, but what happens is as the as um, Luca is just kind of hanging out and collecting um, things for – he has like a little uh, fish farm. Uh, as he's going around collecting stuff, he stumbles upon another uh, sea monster. And the sea monster is like, hey, what's up? And uh, he goes to the shore and he follows him. And as – the sea monster walks out of the water, he's transformed into a human. Uh, so then Luca tries it, and before you know it, Luca and this um, other person, uh, this mm-hmm. other sea monster, um, start to, uh, his name is Alberto, uh, they start to strike up a friendship. And um, they are, um, they go to this near town, and they enter a, um, it's kind of like a, it's like a triathlon, but mm-hmm. it's like, it's swimming, biking uphill, and eating pasta. Those are like the three uh, activities in this uh, triathlon, and um, it's just a really good. It's a really good movie. A solid recommendation from me. Uh, it's a really great family kids movie. It doesn't look like most Disney Pixar movies. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of has a little bit of the um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs look to it. Um, but I thought it was really enjoyable. It's really, um, uh, really funny, and uh, the story, as as all Disney Pixar movies, um, aside from the good dinosaur, it was terrible. Um, has a really good message, and it's uh, a, it's really well done. So, 
Uh, high recommend from me on the movie Luca. It's on Disney Plus, and it came out uh, just a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. So, Theron, uh, what about your recommendation for the week? Uh, I'm gonna, since you talked about movies, I'm going to talk about music. Currently, right now, I've been kind of um, into this album by Ali and AJ, who, yes, that Ali and AJ from Disney. They released an album for the first time in 14 years back in May, so about two about a month ago um the album's called it's a long ass title a touch of the beat gets you up on your feet and gets you out and then into the sun um wow <laughs> that is a mouthful i dare you to say that five times in a row um this album is a pop album but it has heavy disco influence soft rock and country um influences in it it's basically like a modern day 70s album that's not heavily disco like I think it's pretty dope. Uh, the first single from the album is called Soul, Slow Dancing, and it's about how you miss people. Uh, and it was written during the pandemic, and it's just like, you know, I don't want to do fancy. I just want to hang out with people. I want to slow dance with you in the front room. Just the small things that we miss. So it's really good. And then there's some bangers. There is a U2-inspired uh, song called Listen, and it reminds me of a beautiful day. Not gonna sing anymore. Oh yeah, Love that song. but it's guitar heavy. It's very '90s feeling, even though they're like, "Oh, we're trying to go for a '70s vibe." Um, which I will say, like, here's something controversial yet brave. They did not really hit the mark on their '70s vibe that they were going to, because there was a lot of '90s influence um, on the record. But it's well written. The vocals are good. The instrumentation is good. The production is good, um, and the lyricism is. Uh, just, I love lyrics. Again, I'm a very dialogue-heavy person. Tyler's more about the production. I'm more yeah. about the words. Yeah, it, I am. Uh, it, it depends on the artist, really. But for the most part, um, I I will listen to the production way before I listen to the lyrics. Uh, and then right. I'll listen to the lyrics, and it'll really change my emotion a- about the song. But Right. But now, if you're not really into pop... Oh, good. <laughs> oh, I, was just, uh, I was just about to say, I actually... I need to give... I need to give that album a listen. I I was just never like a big Ally and AJ fan. I know you sent me a lot of tracks, and uh, I just had a hard time really getting into them. Mm-hmm. But I will try with this new album because yeah. you said it's got some some U two and some like seventies kind of vibes to it. So I will definitely give it a shot and see what I think about it. Yeah, and for sure, and like just a quick plug too, like pop music isn't your thing. Um, lately, I've been obsessed with Minnie Riperton, who is an unsung hero of the 70s, um, ahead of her time, five five octave range, can do a whistle note, can enunciate while doing a whistle note, which is extremely rare. Um, her Perfect, a- Perfect Angel album is just a masterpiece, and Seeing You This Way is the best album up there. Minnie Riperton is uh, Maya Rudolph's mom, but yeah. she's more famous. Yeah, she's... Famous for singing the song Loving You, which, again, beautiful ballad about love, but the song Seeing You This Way is just, uh, just, oh, it just gets, Minnie Ripperton don't get the love that she deserves, and that is the end of my recommendations this week. Yeah. Good recommendations. So you've got a couple of albums to listen to by Theron, and you've got a movie to watch, um, with the family or by yourself um anyone can enjoy luca it's a really great movie 
But Theron, let's go ahead and wrap this up. I just want to thank everyone so much, whoever you are and wherever you are, for tuning in to listen to this episode of The Fox and the Stone. I hope that you take time to practice self-care, self-love, and self-grace. Uh, Theron, any else, anything else you want to add on the send-off? Happy Pride Month. Uh, shake your ass. Yeah. Drink a lot of water. Stay hydrated. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you all so much again. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.